Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5 tonight. Amen. And we want to continue with this that we've been looking on, Led by Peace. I think this is the fourth or the fifth part, but uh, nonetheless, hallelujah, glory to God. I want us to say something as a body tonight. The Lord's been dealing with me to have us say this. Just say this out loud. Say, in the name of Jesus, rebind and call to nothing any words that have been spoken against our building, against the acquirement of our building, we have and we receive our beautiful turnkey building. That will be everything we need in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Galatians chapter 5, we want to talk about being led by peace again. And, you know, when we talk about peace, I made a statement one time. You know, when we talk about peace, very often uh, people kind of treat it as something that's very elementary. Yeah, peace. And I asked this question, if it's so elementary, why is it that the majority of believers are not walking in it? You know, it's, it's and, and I'm not saying you, because I don't believe we constitute the majority of believers here tonight, but uh, peace is something that is so vital. When you begin to look at it in the scriptures, it's something that's so vital that God has placed it right in the very core of the believer's life. And uh, peace is one of the highest evidences of the presence of God in the life and the home of the believer. All right, it's one of the highest evidences. Uh, it's, one of, it's one of the highest evidences of other people that, that, that God is at work in your life. I, I taught a, a message here one Sunday morning called Being a Person of Influence. And I said that one of the ways that you influence people with the gospel is when you make it through things that should have stopped you. When you get through things that should have thrown you off the track, you stay on track and you stay in peace and you made it, people will ask you how you made it. Amen. Have you ever had anybody ask you, how'd you get through that? And you had an opportunity to say, but God, if, if it hadn't been for the Lord on my side, right? God kept me. God brought me out. God did this for me. Amen. When somebody looks at you and they say, how are you so at ease with the situation that you're facing? It gives you the opportunity to go and say, it's the peace of God. But that's evidence to people. People are looking for an answer. They're looking for a way to get through what they're dealing with. Amen. And, and one of the keys is the peace of God. Amen. Galatians chapter 5. And let's look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, notice, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. 
against such there is no law. So he says that the word says that peace is one of the fruits of the reborn human spirit. All right? And it's right here. Uh, generally, when people go to this chapter, go to these verses, the focus is on the flesh and the works of the flesh and how you shouldn't walk in the works of the flesh. Listen, it's not a, it's, it's, it's not a situation what the Bible is saying here is this. If you don't walk in the Spirit, you are destined to walk in the flesh. There's no middle ground. There, there are no spiritual zombies. All right? And I, I, I don't know that I've ever watched any movie or any show about zombies, but I know what they're supposed to be. The undead. Right? They're supposed to be people that died, but somehow they're not dead but they're dead. There are no spiritual zombies. You're either dead in sin or alive to Christ. Right? You're either walking in the Spirit or walking in the flesh. There's no middle ground. And he says here, and, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but he says here, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill. You won't bring to completion the lusts of the flesh. So that means no matter what you're dealing with, if you start focusing on walking in the Spirit, and that word again is to tread all around, to walk around in one vicinity, when you make that your aim and you make that your goal, then what happens is, and it may not even be something that you consciously recognize, but those works, those desires of the flesh, they just start falling off. They're just things you stop doing because you're spending your time walking in the Spirit. Amen. Amen. So the word peace here, it's not the word sozo or soteria. It's a Greek word, irene. Irene. And it comes from a word that means, among other definitions, quietness, rest, and tranquility. All right? Among other definitions, it means quietness, rest, and tranquility. So what we can see from this definition, from the definition that this is describing something that is undisturbed, right, composed, and filled with tranquility. This is a person that is undisturbed, composed, and filled with tranquility. Amen. The fruit of peace has been given to us to access whenever we desire or whenever the need for peace arises. Now, this is important because when you look at love, we, we, there's been a lot of teaching on love, and we need a lot more teaching on love. But one of the things the Lord revealed to me years ago, and I've taught it as, as much as I can, is in Romans 5.5, 5, it says the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost that's been given to us. All right? The, the Weiss Bible leads us to understand that that love is there in our heart, and we can access it whenever we want. We always have access to the love of God. All right, it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love and then joy. How many times have you heard people say, the joy of the Lord is your strength? Keep your joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Folks, you have access to the peace of God. 
whenever you want it. So when someone says, I couldn't help it, I just fell apart. Now, now, now listen, we're going to grow. That means I didn't access the peace of God. I have to access it. Just like I have to choose to walk in love. It's there, but I have to choose to operate in it. I have to choose to be joyful. That's why Paul said, you need to read joy. You need to read Joyce. In other words, you were joyful once, and now a situation's arisen, rejoice again. And then he goes, matter of fact, just rejoice evermore. Just stay rejoicing. Right? Well, it's the same thing with peace. You've got to keep yourself in the peace lane. Amen. My, my wife's car, it has a feature on it that, that it, it kind of weirds you out when it first affects you. Because there's a camera on her car, and it's, it's focused on the yellow line in the middle of the road or the side of the road. And with that feature, if, if you're doing something, you kind of drift to the line, it will, it will take the wheel and pull you back over in the middle of the road. It'll weird you out the first time it happens. <laughs> Think there's a demon in this trying to... Amen. But, but, but notice, it's designed to keep you in the middle of the road. That's peace. When, when, you're, when you're going into a situation and all those alarm bells start going off, that's your peace saying, hey, hold the middle of the road. Stay in the peace lane. See, I've got to do that because here's the thing. I can override that feature on her car. I can override it and drift over in the other lane if I want to. But it's there, I can access it. You can override peace if you want to, but you override peace at your own peril. Because when you override peace, you're putting yourself in a position of being somewhere that God did not intend for you to be. Amen. Peace, peace is is peace is the peace is the yes, and a lack of peace is the no. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. As believers, we have access to the love of God. We have access to the joy of the Lord. And we have access to the peace of God. Now, think about this for a moment. Think about how unmovable God is. How unmovable is God? And people will say, well, yeah, of course he's unmovable. He's God. Part of the reason he's unmovable is he is the God of all peace. God is full of peace. There's never a day that God doesn't have peace. And it's not just because he's God. It's because he has peace. You know, I've been a believer a long time, and I have faced a lot of trials. I've faced a lot of, I've faced a lot of tests. You might say you haven't, and I would just say wait. You will. But the fact of the matter is, I've learned to allow peace to take the wheel and peace to be the guidance and it allows you to be unmoved. It's not the storm that comes against you. It's whether or not you're moved by it. It's not the challenge you face. It's that when the challenge is over, you're still in the place you were in because you're calm, you're composed, you're undisturbed, you're unmoved because of the peace of God. Amen. 
Think how composed God is. How at peace God is. God looks at things going on in the earth, and he, he doesn't give it a second thought because he knows how it's going to end. Well, yeah, Pastor, he's God. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow and next week. That's why he gave you his book, and he tells you what's going to happen. Think about this phrase for a minute. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. How do you do that? How do you not fret? you got to be at peace. If you're not going to fret, you're going to be at peace. Amen. Does that make sense? Think, think about the scripture that says, that says the time of the wicked is not long. They're here today and gone tomorrow. Right? Well, that ought to give us peace. Oh, glory to God. Because listen, I said this Sunday morning, there are things that you can't confess away. There's things you can't pray away. You're always going to have wicked people in the earth. You're always going to have people that are doing wicked things. You can't confess them away. You can't pray them away, but I can stay in peace. Amen. This peace flows as I access it and as I allow it access to my circumstance. I have to allow peace to access my circumstance. Look, look at Isaiah 55. This is a verse I have leaned on greatly. One of many. And there's things you can do to aid your peace. And, and, and I can help you with it. And, and I know that, you know, some are going to say, oh, he's talking about words again. Yes, I am. And, and what aids your peace is quit saying, I don't know. I can't figure out. I don't have any idea. I can't. Somebody will say, well, what are you going to do about that? I don't have any idea. I don't know. Right there, you just stirred up unrest. Amen. Hallelujah. But if you answer like this, well, I'm of an understanding heart. The Lord will show me. Right? I, 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 I one time I was talking to a minister, and he kept telling me things that were going on. Uh, in his church, he wanted me to come help him. I was helping him in his church. I was down there for a two-week meeting, and he kept, he kept, have you ever been around somebody that they have a lot of statements that there's no answer for? And he kept saying things to me, and I'd, I'd say, I understand. I understand. And he looked at me finally and said, you're the most understanding guy I've ever met. And I said, I am. I'm of an understanding heart. I'm quick of spirit. I have the tongue of the learned. The Lord awakens me day by day, morning by morning. Right? Because, because I understand if, listen, I have no formal education past the ninth grade level. None. All right? Not, I'm, I'm not bragging on that. I'm just saying that, that was my lot in life. I went to work when I was 15 years of age. All right? I know very well that there are things I don't know. And I need his wisdom and his knowledge and his understanding to help me do what I've got to do. 
I've educated myself. I'm very well read. But the point that I'm making is this. I'm always at peace. How, how do you go in when, you're, when you're, that's your lot in your life, what you experience? How do you go in and sit with people with multiple college degrees and them look at you and say, where'd you get that wisdom and where'd you get that knowledge? You've got to have peace to go in there in the first place, and then you've got to have peace to listen to God and say what he said. Don't be, don't be, don't be canceling out your peace with your words. You are at peace right now. You will be at peace tonight. You'll be at peace in the morning. Why? Because you have been given the peace of God that transcends all understanding. It doesn't make sense to you or anybody else, but you have it. It's yours. You can access it. Keep it in the peace lane. Keep it in the peace lane. Amen. Isaiah 55 and verse 12. It says, for you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. Something I say every day is I go out with joy and I'm led forth by peace. The phrase, the two words, led forth, it, it means this, to be, to be born along or conducted. To be born along or to be conducted. Born along or be conducted. So peace is a flow that we get into. Amen. It bears us along. Hallelujah. It conducts us throughout our lives. We're carried by peace. So you're, you're carried to, from situation to situation by peace. Glory to God. It's a flow that we get into. And that's how you're led. By peace. We'll get more into that in just a moment. That's the leading. Is your peace. Look at Colossians chapter 3. And verse 15, notice what it says. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which you are called, notice you're called to peace in one body and be thankful. When it says rule here, properly it means act as an umpire, arbitrate. Or decide, act as an umpire, arbitrate, or decide. Let the peace of God act as an umpire. Let it arbitrate. Let it decide. Lightfoot paraphrases it this way. And let the one supreme umpire in your hearts, the one referee amidst all your difficulties, be the peace of Christ. Let it be the peace of Christ. This peace settles all strife and preserves unity. That peace. 
You got to let it be the, the umpire. Let it be the arbiter. Let it be the umpire in your life. And notice, it settles all strife. Strife is just a lack of peace. And strife is caused by pride. Because the, the book of Proverbs says that, that only through pride comes contention. So when, when you've got strife in a family, strife in a home, strife in a marriage, when you got a man and a wife arguing, it's, it's because both of them are not seeking peace. The Bible says seek peace and pursue it. So if you've got, in a marriage, if you've got two people seeking peace, you're not going to have an argument because you're seeking peace. And that's not just a person can't give their opinion or can't whatever. You're seeking peace, right? You're, you're seeking a way to take the submissive role. You're taking away, you're seeking a way to give the other person the advantage. How can you lose when you're trying to give the other person the advantage? See, that gets rid of strife. And if you win an argument, you haven't won anything. You can win a fight, but you win the fight, you lose the friend. And it's better to keep a friend and lose a fight. Is that right? And so you, 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 you've got to think about that when, when it comes to how you're going to respond. Um, is this a, see, a peace-seeking statement? Is this a peace-seeking statement? Amen. I've counseled multitude of marriages in, in my years in ministry. And here's the thing. I've never counseled anybody that would seek peace in their marriage. Everybody I've ever counseled wasn't seeking peace. When, am I helping you? When you're seeking peace, you're not looking at what the other person's doing. You're trying to figure out a way how to be at peace with them. Listen, I've had people be upset about marriages over a variety of different things. I've had people get mad because the husband sucked his teeth. Mad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? It Really, truly. I've, I've had them upset because one or the other of them wasn't in the shape they thought they should be. I mean, I had two people in my office one time, and, and the wife was not uh, tremendously overweight, but the man was just, he was, he, he was not the picture of fitness. And he was talking about how his wife had gained a lot of weight. And I wanted to tell him, well, what did the doctor tell you to do? Watch your stomach so you put it out where you could see it? Now, I didn't, but I wanted to. See, because I'm, I'm maintaining peace. I don't have anything against how anybody looks. That's none of my business. How you eat and what you do is your business. But when you bring it in and you start making it a big issue, you're not seeking peace. And that's causing strife. 
You got to keep it in the peace lane. Oh, hallelujah. Do, do you see that? It preserves unity. We got to be at peace. The key word is let. The idea is that you are allowing the peace of God to call the shots in your life. Now, there are things in the Bible that are very easily preached, but they're more difficult to live. This is one of them. Because there are things that are consistently trying to grab your peace. Amen. I mean, listen, if, if you've watched any news or read a headline lately, it's trying to grab your peace. Right? Ever, ever what you believe, ever what persuasion you are, it's trying to grab your peace. Glory to God. You, there are probably a number of people in here today, and you've had circumstances this week, this month, this year, that have tried to rob your peace and take your peace. And if you kept it, you kept it because you grabbed a hold of it and said, I'm not letting go of my peace. Because if you didn't grab a hold of it, that circumstance took it. But you know, the end result of holding on to your peace will always be the favor of God, the blessings of God, the victory of God. The way to make things worse is let go of your peace. Peace is a protector. Then we talked Sunday about the covenant of peace. And when you look through the Bible about the covenant of peace, it, it always carries this understanding that it's protecting, it's keeping God's people. When, when the children of Israel, after, after uh, the issue with uh, Balaam, and Balaam taught the children of Israel to commit whoredom with the, 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 the Ammonites and the Moabites. And you'll remember the Bible says, the Bible says that one of the children of Israel, that while Moses and the people of God were on their face crying out to God, he brought a strange woman into the camp, remember? And was going to commit uh, uh, adultery with her. And it says that one of Aaron's sons grabbed a spear and went and put a stop to it. What was he doing? Protecting God's people. And what did God say? My covenant of peace will be with him and his house forever. Peace is a protectant. Peace is a protectant. When you walk in peace, the things that affect other people don't affect you because you're walking in peace. You're protected from it. The Lord was talking to me about 2024. I'm not going to read you the whole word that he gave me. But he said, in 2024, he said, peace will be the order of the day. And he made the statement. He said, in the middle of the storm for the people of God, with waves on this side and waves on that side, you will be in a protected peace bubble. And you won't be touched. But you got, you got to choose to stay at peace. There's things you, 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 you can't say, you can't talk, and it's not because just because it's negative, it's because it robs your peace. Quit saying things like, I'm so frustrated, I'm so wore out. That just irks me. You can't say irks in peace. 
I don't think. Maybe you can. But have you ever had anybody come in and go, oh my, that just frustrates me. What do they always say? Oh, that, oh, that frustrates me. Right? Growling. You say, how do you know that? I've lived it. There's things you can't say without being losing your peace. I'm helping you. Hallelujah. Peace is to be the finality. In other words, what do I have peace about? What do I have a lack of peace about? That's the finality. If I have peace, that's the finality. That's the direction I'm going. If I don't have peace, that's the finality. I'm stopping. Rushing robs you of your peace. Pressure robs you of your peace. Don't ever let anyone pressure you to get outside the peace lane. If you don't have peace about it, stop. Yeah, but they might get upset. They'll just get upset. There's a wonderfully spiritual word that you need to learn. It's called no. You need to do this today. No, I'm not. Well, you'll lose the opportunity. Then I'll lose the opportunity. But I'm not. If you willfully violate peace, you welcome destruction. If you willfully violate peace, you welcome destruction. Peace is a protector. Amen. And, and that's before you make any decision. Peace is the finality. Notice, not how do I feel, what do I have peace about? Peace is not a feeling, it's a knowing. Peace is a sense in your spirit of smoothness. Amen. I'm at peace about it. It's not a feeling. And that's why you have to not talk so much about how you feel or what you feel. Somebody will say, well, how do you feel? They'll, they'll, they'll come up to me. People will come up to me and say, Pastor, should I do this or should I do that or should I do the other? And I'll never say, well, how do you feel about it? I'll say, where's your peace? Well, I don't have peace about that. Then you don't do that. Well, I don't have peace about this either. I have peace about this, but that one makes no sense. It, peace is the sense. Yeah, but that don't make sense, but it makes peace. Right? Glory is important. We got to allow peace to show us the way. Let peace lead you. Amen. You know, I, I, I talked about education earlier. When I worked in the corporate world, I never held a job that didn't require a college degree. They all required college degrees, and I got all of them. People say, well, you must be smart. No, I, I let the peace rule. 
The Holy Ghost will make you look like a genius. Amen. I remember one, one year, I, was, uh, I, I started out on that job. I started uh, just calling people, helping them with their, their, uh, uh, their explanation of benefits and their bills and, and these different things. And then they promoted me to customer service. And then after I was in customer service, they promoted me to uh, a quality assurance specialist. All right, and, I, and I'm, I'm working quality assurance. And then after quality assurance, they had some, uh, uh, um, oh, I forget the name, what you would call them. Uh, no, they had uh, some people come in to, to look at the, the company and uh, decide where consultants come in. And, and there was a guy that came in from uh, Minnesota, you know, and his name was Mike. And me and Mike, we got on real good, and he always wanted me to come up to Minnesota and wet a line with him, you know. And so, anyway, they started, started looking at things around the company, and uh, I was the quality assurance rep in, the, in this certain area, and uh, after the consultants got done, I was the unit manager in that area. And, and we had a director and four unit managers. And uh, long story short, this was when uh, a certain program had just come out on Microsoft, and it wasn't very widely known uh, is Excel is what it was. And our director wanted a report from us. This was on a Friday, and she wanted a report from us on Monday. Well, I certainly didn't know how to operate the program, and none of the other managers really knew how either. And we walked out of that office and, and the three of them were going, there's no way. There's no way I can do that. I don't understand. And I've had people say, well, what were you doing? Here's what I was doing. <laughs> Amen. I went to my desk, and I laid hands on that computer. And I said, <laughs> You remember? Amen. And, and, and while I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, a name came to me, Stephanie. Stephanie. And I thought, that's right. And I called downstairs uh, to the uh, HR where this girl worked, and I said, what do you know about Excel? She said, I know everything. I use it every day. I said, well, here's what they want me to do. And I said, I, I need to know. I need to know how to make these formulas work. And she said, oh, I can help you with that. Easy. I had my report done before I left that day. The, the, other, the, other, the other people in the department labored all weekend, and they came in Monday morning all bleary-eyed. They had stayed up all weekend trying to get that report done. I'm not bragging. What I'm trying to tell you, I've learned that that peace makes up for your deficits where you don't know what to do. If you'll let peace lead you, peace will take you right where you need to be. But, but you, amen. Oh, glory to God. But you have to be patient. You have to let peace show you. You may have to consider different alternatives. You may have to look for the peace before you finalize anything. Don't finalize anything because people say you have to. Don't finalize it till you have peace. Well, we need you to move on this today, but I don't have peace about it. And if you don't have peace, don't move. Hallelujah. Amen. Remember the story Pastor Michelle told? She said, uh, Brother Moore, uh, they were teaching there at Ramah in, in Broken Arrow, and that all of the, uh, a lot of his friends and a lot of the people there, teachers and, and instructors, preachers that he knew, they were all getting involved in this investment idea, this investment thing. 
And uh, uh, he said, you know, and finally I decided, well, we need to get uh, involved in that. And they got their $10,000 together. And he, was, he had a meeting plan, and he was driving. He drove down there and was sitting in the parking lot. And he said, Lord, you know, he said, finally, I decided to ask the Lord. I realized I hadn't asked him. And I asked him, do I need to get involved in this? And the Lord said, I have never given you any reason to want to be involved in that, to trust that person. Well, here's, here's what I got out of that. Here's something that he said. He said, I just wasn't quite right in here. And I finally asked the Lord, what, what was not right? No peace. No peace. And he said, I had the appointment set, and I was in the parking lot. And I went in and told him, I'm not doing it. And he said, you know, it wasn't long after that. Everybody that got involved with that lost their money. And he said, it's not because I'm so much wiser than anybody else. I stopped and I inquired of the Lord. Isn't that right? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, there are occasions that takes a little time. Because you're consulting peace before you finalize anything. And, and you might have to look at this, or there's no peace. Then you might have to look at this, and there's no peace. And you might have to look at this, and then finally you find peace, and you go with peace. But peace is the finality. Say that out loud. Peace is the finality. Oh, Hallelujah. Now, here's something that will help you. Look at verse 15 again. The last part of it says, and be thankful. Being thankful helps you maintain your peace. Why? Being thankful helps you maintain your peace even when you don't know what to do about a situation. You just, you just stay thankful. Well, Lord, I don't know what to do about this, but I thank you that you're on the job. I thank you that you're going to lead me and guide me and direct me. Lord, I don't have peace about this, but I'm just going to thank you till I do. And if I never do, I won't make a move. I'm just going to be thankful. Amen. While you're seeking direction, stay in a mode of thanksgiving. Stay in thanksgiving. Why? Because that keeps you open to receive. The Lord asked Brother Moore one time, he said, would you like to know how to increase your capacity to receive? And he said, yes, yes, a thousand times yes. And the Lord revealed to him thanksgiving. Cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. If you cultivate a life, if you cannot defeat a thankful person because they're thankful for everything. People that think they deserve things are easy to defeat. Here's a rule I've learned over the years, and I keep this in the forefront of my mind everywhere I go. Expect nothing and be thankful for everything. If you expect nothing from nobody and you're thankful for everything, you'll always be in victory. Amen. Does that make sense? 
I've, 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 I've ta- I was talking to Liliana about that at the breakfast table just the other day. How you don't expect from people, you expect from God. And that, that keeps you from being in a place where you're dependent upon people. Oh, glory. Amen. Nobody, nobody, nobody can make you fret because you're not expecting anything from them. I've, I've learned that over the years. The, some of the circles that Pastor Michelle and I, the Lord has graced us to be in. One of the reasons, and, and I found this in talking to people that, that, that we will uh, fellowship with. One of the things they like the most about us is we don't expect anything from anybody. I'm not there to get anything from anybody. When I go to a conference, I don't go and tap the usher on the shoulder and say, now, I'm, you know, I, I'm Pastor Steele, and, and, you know, can you get me up as close as you can get me? I'm not there to sit on the front row. I'm there to be at the conference. Hallelujah. I learned that years ago. Uh, 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 my pastors went to Dr. Lester Summerall's funeral in uh, uh, South Bend, Indiana. And when they, they, they got there, they looked on some of the back rows and Mac Gober was sitting there. Some of y'all remember Mac. He's in heaven today. And uh, 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 Pastor and Miss Jeannie went over and sat down by Mac and were, and were just there with him in, at the funeral. And in a little while, they saw the family saw the Caldwells and sent somebody back to tell them they had a seat for them on the front row. And they looked at him and said, no, we'll just sit here with Mac. That taught me something. Don't expect anything. Be thankful for everything, but don't expect anything. If you're the kind of person that's always expecting from people, you will never walk in circles of greatness. Because people that are great and people that are great at what they do, they have people around them every day that are wanting something from them and pulling on them. And it's a refreshing when they have people in their presence that want nothing. They expect nothing and they're grateful for everything. Amen. That's so important. You keep that attitude, you'll stay at peace. Amen. Look, look at Acts chapter 16. Am I helping you with this tonight? Acts chapter 16. This is a familiar passage of Scripture, but it's okay because it's good. I think I should be done within our hour of power. Now, of course, this is when Paul and Silas were thrown in the Philippian jail. And notice verse 25, at midnight, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. The Weist, the Weist Bible says they were singing praises to God, mingling petition with songs of praise, and the prisoners were listening to them, enjoying their singing. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to see something. Let, let's, let's go down the line and look at this. Paul and Silas had been falsely accused, illegally beaten, and put in the maximum security prison. 
and their response is to sing praises to God. Hmm. Now, when we think about that, sing praises. That, that phrase, sing praises, it means to celebrate God in song. Now, listen, what, what they got to celebrate? Remember, they're falsely accused. They're illegally beaten. They're in the maximum security prison. And they're celebrating God in song. Here's why. Peace turns you towards God and his goodness. Peace turns you towards God and his goodness. When you have peace, you're thinking on God and his goodness. Ever what they were facing, their feet are in stocks, their, their backs are bruised and bleeding. Ever what they're thinking, they're turning their self towards God and that produced peace and they're celebrating him. They're, they're, when you're in peace, you're not focused on the circumstance, you're focused on him. Hallelujah. That's so important. In this prison, Paul and Silas were a habitation of God's peace. There was a peaceful atmosphere just because they were there. They're celebrating God, and the other prisoners heard it and enjoyed it. Why? It brought peace. I can't tell you the times I've walked into hospital situations or family situations and had people say, Pastor, when you showed up, the peace of God just came. I'm a carrier. I'll infect you if you'll let me. Amen. I mean it. Folks, listen. I'm, this is not bragging. I'm, I'm not making much of me. I want you to understand something. This is how I've decided to live. I will not let anything have my peace. You can't have my peace. Because that's the key. I'm going to go home tonight, and I'm going to sleep, and I'm going to sleep well. Because I will lay me down, and the Lord will sustain me, and I will sleep. I'll lay down in peace, and I'll sleep. Because you have to. If you let your, if you let your peace get robbed, you delay your deliverance. And, and, and I'll show you this. Their willingness to stay in peace afforded God the opportunity to move for them. Hallelujah. Deliverance can be delayed if I don't stay in peace. Well, how do I know that? All I've got to do is look at Psalm 78 and read about the issues with the children of Israel in the wilderness. What, 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 was, there, what was the demarcation of the children of Israel? Murmuring and complaining. No peace. And what happened? God said because they're murmuring and complaining, they're going to wander in the wilderness till they all die. Delayed their deliverance. If you want a quicker deliverance, maintain your peace. Oh, hallelujah. Look at Acts chapter 12. And Acts chapter 12, of course, is where Peter was put in prison. And verse 5 says, Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. 
And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Now remember that just a little while previous to this, Herod had killed James, the brother of John, and he said because he saw it pleased the Jews, he decided to kill Peter. And Peter is here, and he's kept by four quaternions of soldiers, all right? And this is the night before his execution. And he's asleep. And one translation says he was sound asleep. Now think about this. You know, you'll hear people preach on this and, and oh, look, look at Peter, what a man of God. What a man of peace. There, there are people you know and I know I'm not, nobody in here, but there are people you know and I know. If they have a little financial difficulty, they toss and turn all night. He's going to get his head cut off tomorrow, and he's asleep. Yeah, but what am I going to do? What do you mean you're going to stay in peace? Peace is the pathway to deliverance. If I want deliverance, i got to stay in peace. Amen. Mm. Peter knew Herod's intentions, yet he's asleep. The church was praying for his release. But Peter had to allow the peace of God to govern him. Now, the focus there very often is the angel showed up and opened the door. Not if he hadn't stayed in peace. Not if he hadn't stayed in peace. You cannot violate Scripture by carrying care and expect God to deliver you. Because that's not a request. That's a command. Be anxious for nothing. Jesus said, take no thought, saying... And that's one of those things that's easy preached, but then you got to walk it out. The Lord said to me when I, when I wrote the book, Refusing the Care, he said, when you allow care in your life, it's like, it's like, it's like a stop that you put in front of a door, and it, it allows the enemy to bring everything else he wants to bring in into your life because you're carrying care. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Then you need to get at peace. If you don't know what you need to do, then you need to cast it over onto the Lord, and you need to be at peace. Peter said that one of the ways that you get to where God exalts you in due season is you've got to start off by casting all your care upon Him because He cares about you. And then what's the next verse say? Humble yourself and He will exalt you. So what is humbling yourself? Casting your care on Him. It's a very humility-filled statement for you to say to the Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm casting the care of it onto you, and I'm going to maintain my peace. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to work. I'm going to church. Whatever you're doing. But I'm not going to carry this care. Because it violates Scripture. Amen. You know, John Wesley said something one time. He said, to be careful is correct. He said, to be worried is sin. 
And there are people that will argue with you that worry is not sin. So, so listen, if Jesus said don't do something, it's okay to do it? Now where do you stop? Where do you stop? If you can carry care, then you can lie. If you can carry care, then you can cheat. Oh, hallelujah. No, no, Pastor, you know I don't believe that. No, I don't. I don't. Because I've got to make up in my mind, I'm not going to carry the care of this. Now, what caused him to have this kind of peace? Let me show you. John chapter 21. What caused him to have this kind of peace? Very simply, what Jesus had said. When you read, for instance, the Scripture in the Bible that says, all of your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. Do you know what precedes that verse? As the rain comes down from heaven and the snow and waters the earth thereof and causes it to bring forth and bud, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish the thing whereunto I sent it. And then there's a verse between that and the next verse, and the next verse says, and all of your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great will be the peace of your children. What is that? The word of the Lord that he just said will not return to him void. What is that word that won't return to him void produce? Peace in my children. Peace in my life. Look at, look, at, look at John 21 and verse 18. This is after Jesus had asked Peter to feed his sheep and his lambs. And he said, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you girded yourself and walked wherever you wouldest. But when you shall be old, you'll stretch forth your hands and another shall gird you and carry you whither you would not. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Jesus told Peter when he was going to die. When he was old. The Aramaic says when you're gray-headed. That's important. Why wasn't he worried? He knew he wasn't going to die. Why? Jesus said he's going to die when he's old. Hallelujah. Think, think about this for a minute. Think about this for a minute. You might be up against an insurmountable thing. But the scripture says, let's say it this way, Jesus has told you, you're more than a conqueror. That should produce peace. Yeah, but they're saying this, and they're saying this, and they're saying that. Yeah, and Jesus has told you that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Now, that's not just preaching fodder. That's your peace plan. Notice, he didn't say they wouldn't form weapons. They will, but he said they won't prosper. Oh, hallelujah. Every tongue. See, that's what we're more used to, the tongue that rises up against us. He said it would be condemned. And he said this was the heritage, the birthright. Amen. Of my children, and their righteousness is of me. My rightness is is of God. It's not of people. It's not of individuals. My rightness is not determined by what you think. It's determined by what God thinks. Yeah. And that's got to keep your peace. 
But you'll hear people, they won't do things because of what other people are going to think. People are going to think what they want to think. I can't, you can't help how people think. Thank you, Elder Morton. He taught me that 15 years ago. More than that. You can, Philip, you can't help how people think. And you can't, you can't help how people think. Well, what are they going to think if we make this decision? What do you have peace about? Well, I have peace about making the decision. Then you can't care what they think. Because if you violate your peace to stay where you're not supposed to be, all kind of devastation can find you. The devastation can look for you, but you won't be there if you followed your peace. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, let me try to wrap this up with this. By being where God has told you to be, you're not even aware of the things that you've missed. And the things that have missed you. Because you weren't there. Amen. It, it, it concerns me when people say things to me like, well, you know, the Lord's been dealing with me to do that, but I haven't done it yet. Do you know what you're inviting? If you know God wants you to do it, that's your peace. And to stay where God is telling you to leave is to invite the curse. Yeah, but I, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. You can't afford not to do it. Oh, hallelujah. Peter was at peace because he knew God would deliver him. Because he knew what Jesus said. Staying with the word produces peace. Staying with the word produces peace. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You know, when I, when I was running that day and the Lord told me, he said, well, you're supposed to be in Little Rock. Actually, what he said was you're supposed to be in Little Rock anyway. Well, that statement, I, I, I always had peace about the church here and, and even being here, but I wasn't acting on it. And I wasn't acting on it because it didn't what I wanted to do. Amen. You say, well, that's a truthful statement. Well, you can go down the road if you want. There's a guy lying about it down there. That's just the reality of it. There, 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 have, been, there have been times I haven't just been so keen on getting the job done. Amen. But when the Lord said that to me, it wasn't like a rebuke. It wasn't a, um, a chastisement. It brought peace. And I went home and told my wife, and within a matter of weeks, we were here. Amen. And this is where I have peace. Right here. This is my peace place. Amen. You, you understand? And, and if I could say it this way, even when I'm somewhere else, I know I'm doing the will of God, and I'm at peace doing the will of God, but I can never be at peace living somewhere else than here. This is my peace place. Amen. See, where, where do you have peace? That's the finality. And people won't understand it. Sometimes people won't understand it. 
But you got to do what you have peace about. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. And, and you, can't, you can't be moved by that. You can't, you can't be moved by, by, by what people don't understand. Because once you know what God wants you to do with your life and the steps God wants you to take, you confer no more with flesh and blood. That's what God asked me to do. Amen. I have people that I consult about things, but when I know what God wants me to do, that's it. I may tell them, this is what God wants me to do. This is what God's asked me to do. What, what would your advice be? But I don't ask them, should I do it? I know what God said. Amen. I have a minister that's very, that's very close to me. And when, when I told them I was, mo- I was moving to Little Rock, that I was, I was coming here and, and, and we were going to uh, do what we're doing, uh, they, they didn't agree with me. But I don't have a choice. I don't have peace anywhere else. Oh, hallelujah. Now, again, this seems very elementary. But if it's so elementary, why do you know so many believers that don't have it? There are believers you know on your job. They're acting just like the world. They have no peace. And you are an anomaly because you're at peace. Amen. Peace is the finality. Peace is the finality. Hallelujah. Father, tonight we thank you for that peace, that peace that is so great in your word that it is, it, it is said that it is past understanding. And Lord, I thank you that this peace governs your people. It blankets them. Father, it surrounds them. It's a deep peace that is within their very being. And because they cultivate it and they walk in it and they follow after it, it keeps them, it guards them, and it protects them. And Lord, we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up tonight, shall we? Praise the Lord.